0: Our sermon title for today is, What is Love? As we as a church look at the book of Second John. Uh, unlike our other selections, I was pretty much unfamiliar with the music video for What is Love? by the musical artist Hathaway. Uh, I really think so because it, it involved vampires and I've never really been a vampire person. Me and Miss Helen are more uh, Harry Potter kind of people not into vampires as much but as uh i'm familiar with the song for another reason i'm familiar with it because of the saturday night live sketch that used this song as its soundtrack Uh, here are some lyrics i'm going to read these to you uh from the song it goes like this what is love oh baby don't hurt me don't hurt me no more what is love oh baby don't hurt me don't hurt me No more. Uh, Obviously, there's an issue here. So I've got a question for you uh, if you are into the trivia. uh, Which Saturday Night Live duo did skits to this song in the 90s? Was it Belushi and Dan Aykroyd? A. B. David Spade and Chris Farley. C. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Or D, Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell? One more question. Which Saturday Night Live duo did skits to the song What is Love in the 1990s? Was it John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd? B, David Spade and Chris Farley? C, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler? Or D, Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell? Obviously... If you are familiar with SNL at all, you know that What is Love was the song used by Will Ferrell and Chris Catan as they sought to meet ladies in their uh, traveling through New York City. It, in Second John, we see John continuing to answer this very important question. He's been talking about love for much of his writing. And as he asks this question, I want us to look at it together. What is love? Let's read this passage. If you have your Bibles, we're in Second John, beginning in verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, in keeping with a command we have received from the Father. So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love. That we walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning, that you walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into this world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose "...what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching, but goes beyond it, does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one, has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't greet him. For the one who greets him shares in his evil works." Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that your joy, our joy, may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. 2 John is the shortest book in the Bible, it's 13 verses. It lines up with a lot of the rhythms that we see in the Gospel of John, in 1 John, and in 3 John, and in some ways the Book of Revelation. However, John at this point is an older man, and he is running a house church network more than likely in Ephesus, and is currently having, and <coughs> he and I are currently having a lot in common. Uh, when you look at the church, into the church of Ephesus, you see that it had a pretty good run of leadership. The church was founded by the Apostle Paul. Timothy pastored it, and now John is running it. That's a good stretch of pastors. Uh, there were some who at the time were professing believers, but now they've left the church and they're denying that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They are denying that He is the Son of God. And friends, these are problems for us. And John is going to talk about the truth and lies of this through the lens of love. If you'll notice in those first three verses, he mentions love, uh, rather, he mentions truth four times. So we know that John, as he deals with these people and as he spends time interacting with this church, Cares a lot about truth, and to understand truth in full and cultural context, we need to look at how it's been understood historically. The Greeks understood truth through the word uh, aletheia, and that their definition of that was the accurate perspective uh, in reality. It's when accurate perspective and reality match. The Romans viewed truth a little bit differently. Uh, They they used the word veritas to talk about truth. And it was a factual representation of events. The Jewish people, the word for truth they have is a myth. It's God's work, God's word, God's faithfulness, God's truth. And we as Christians in 2020 and the Christian church historically, we have understood truth through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So you notice that there's a building block. What we understand from Judaism finds its fullness in Jesus because this, the, what we see in the Jewish faith is taking us to the person of Jesus. It's pointing us to who He is and the truth that He provides. The truth of Jesus as the Messiah. The truth of Jesus as the Son of God. These two truths that John is dealing with at the church at Ephesus at this point. But now, culturally, in the world in which we live, uh, we look at truth and we see that it has a myriad of understandings. We even say that some people have their truth and you may have your truth. And there are all these disagreements as to what that is. So when we as Christians look at what truth is, what can we know? And we can know this, that God cares about truth and the way that He cares about truth is by presenting to us who He is and how He works. And He offers us the truth of Himself revealed in the person of Jesus. So as we look at this text, we see God saying to us through the writer John, grace, mercy, and peace. And as we look at those words, we know they are from God. They are displayed fully by Jesus, we receive them through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can understand them and grow in those through the work of God's Word in our lives. So we're going to look at this text, and we're going to break it down in any way, shape, or form. We can see a few things, and those are right here. I'm going to give you a short outline of the rest of the text as we move forward. In verses 4 through 6, we see the concept or the notion of faithfully walking. Beyond that we see what false teaching is in verses uh, 7 through 11 and and the closing of the book verses 12 and 13 we see the notion of forward moving again faithfully walking false teaching forward moving so again let's go back to verses 4 through 6 noticing what God, God is saying to us through John to the church for us to know what it means to be God's people And he starts with a a building block that has been present throughout all of John's teaching. Verse 4, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth in keeping with a command we have received from the Father. So we have to ask whenever we see this notion of a command, what command is it? And that command is the command we find Jesus giving John in chapter 13 of John 34 and 35. He says to His disciples, Love one another. They will know you are my disciples when you love one another. So if I'm going to look and see that Jesus gives me a command, I should be concerned with what Jesus commands. You as someone who wants to know and trust Jesus and walk in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus should want to walk in a way that Jesus commands. His commands should be your concerns. His commands should be my concerns. So what does G- Jesus show us that John would write to us? First John lets us know what a faithful walk looks like. So we're in Second John, but for us to understand Second John and the letter that's there, we have to consider the sermon that is First John. Five chapters, and here are some of the questions that John poses for the reci- recipient of his message. He begins to say, a faithful walk looks like this. You're asking questions of yourselves. Do you love God? Do you love those who are born of God? And and do you obey God with joy? And it also points to the idea of shared faith because, friends, Christian faith is a shared faith. We're united in this. We're brought together by this. There is, in the world that we live in, a sense of spirituality where many people will tell you that they love Jesus, but they don't need the church or they don't like the church. They lean into this phrase that is popular for whatever reason, that it's just me and Jesus, and I'm okay with it just being me and Jesus. Well, I want to let you know if that is the real Jesus that they have united themselves with, themselves with. He is calling them into Christian community. Because we do not have a private faith. We have a personal faith, but it's not private. You're bound to other believers. So if you're watching this and you're thinking, man, it probably is a a good idea on the other side of this COVID situation, on the other side of this quarantine, for me to get back into church, I want you to know that we would love to have you. And if you're concerned about health, I will personally Lysol anyone down that you need me to Lysol down. And we want you to feel comfortable here to be part of what God is doing at our church. You look at this text and you can keep moving forward. In verse 5, as he continues to address this church, he says this, So now I ask you, dear lady, now that dear lady is pointing to a church. We can see that he's talking to a plural throughout. As a friend of mine says, uh, he's... Not simply speaking to a you, he's speaking to a y'all or a you guys. Some of you guys might even lean into you guys. Not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning, that we should love one another. At the heart of Christian community is a love for one another. That we would walk, he says in verse 6, this is love. So if your question is what is love, the answer, this is love. That we would walk according to his commands. This is the command you have heard from the beginning that you walk in love. This one hit wonder was the most difficult choice for me. I landed on this eventually. There's another song that comes to mind that's also a one hit wonder. Uh, It's 500 Miles or I Wanna Be is the title. It has two titles for whatever reason, like Auburn has two teams. When you consider it, there's a lyric in it where it talks about, I would walk 500 miles over and over. The story of what it means to be the people of God is that we would consistently, faithfully walk in the love that God has shown us through Jesus, understanding the truth of who God is and how He's revealed it to us through His Son. So you you see this, and we consider what it means for us to walk faithfully. The next thing that you notice in pointing out in verses 7-11 through is that there are false teachings that are contrary to faithful walking. Verse 7, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. In this early church, there was the initial gathering at Ephesus. Some have left that initial gathering, the the beginning, and they have gone on to teach things that are untrue. They are now teaching things that are contrary and contradictory to the message that is unchanging, that the hope of the world is Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. They are, in a sense, creating a Jesus that is different than the one who we actually see in Scriptures. Here's why. A Jesus that we create is easier for us to follow. The problem is that Jesus won't take you anywhere good. When I was in college, uh, I was at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, I'm taking education classes, and, and it was a public school, not a Christian school. Uh, University of Tennessee. See, and while we're there, uh, you had people from various faith backgrounds, uh, though, though many would claim to be from a variant of a Christian background. And I remember sitting around the table having conversations with these other people in our class who were getting degrees in education as to what they wanted to do with their lives. They wanted to be school teachers, and one professor in particular was asking me questions about what I believed and why I was not going to be a teacher, but I was going to be a pastor. And as he asked this question, I pointed out to him that I believed that the hope of the world was Jesus. And I believe that there was no hope outside of Jesus, that all of us need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead, that salvation is found there. And he told me that I was incredibly narrow-minded. He said, he then went on to give me a story. And he said, Chad, I imagine that the world is like this, that we have a mountain. Everyone always loves to tell a mountain story. And that on this mountain, This world of a mountain. We have white ants and black ants and brown ants and yellow ants and blue ants. I guess he's talking about Smurfs. And they're all going to the same place, trying to get to the top of the mountain. And I just stared at him for a moment. And I eventually said to him, the thing about that mountain is... It's one that none of us can navigate. We don't get to the top of the mountain. The mountain is so treacherous that eventually the goal, the top, has to come down to us. The story of those of us who would walk with Jesus is that we realize that no behavior that we have could ever conjure up is good enough to get us to the top of the mountain. But the God of the mountain... The God who made the world and everything in it has has chosen not for us to ascend to Him, but that He would descend to us. That's why Jesus, who John preaches, speaks of God with us. That's what His name means. So, we have John in this passage. He's warning about this idea of the church and how... There are false teachers within the church. And just to be clear, I'm not shocked that there are false teachers. One of the things that saddens me is how many of them come from actual, real churches. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote that that I really love. It resonated with me. He says, of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. But when we look into this passage and we consider what it means to know false teaching... uh, A denial of the humanity or the divinity of Jesus, that's false teaching. If you view the person of Jesus incorrectly, you will view the work of Jesus incorrectly. So, friends, look, you know that we love you and uh, as your pastors, we don't just want to say it, we want to show it. If you've ever wondered about a teacher that you may listen to or a book that you may read... uh, feel free to reach out to me and Jared and, and your elders. And, and I'll lovingly share with you my opinions if I have questions or concerns or if there are things that are outright heresy. Uh, if, if what you listen to uh, causes a little bit of attention in your spirit, we want to be good shepherds that lead you in, the, in a helpful direction. And at the very least, it, it would be helpful for me to know what people care about and what matters to them. But you look at the text, and you see we're looking at this notion of false teaching. John continues, and he says this, Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Now, this reward is not their regeneration because we, as you look at the Bible as a whole, realize that we are not working for salvation. But John is saying, if you are a believer in Jesus, just know you've been moving in a certain direction. We don't want you to be distracted. You've been growing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, and don't let this new false teaching distract you from all that God has been doing in your life. And... I believe that it is very easy for us in 2020 with so many different angles of information coming at us to hear something that triggers a a new thought or maybe even a, a new variant of inspiration. And we can get distracted from the actual truth of what God is saying to us from His Word. John continues and he says this, Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. If we get to the place where we've moved beyond Jesus, Christ crucified and resurrected as the hope of the world, if we've gotten gotten to a place where we have left that behind, we have moved beyond Jesus, therefore leaving God the Father and God the Son in our rearview mirror, That is not the gospel. We do not need to depart or detach ourselves from the gospel. John goes on to say, The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and do not greet him. So he is saying you are to attach yourself to God the Father and God the Son through Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Your understanding of Christianity for what it is and why it is it is to be solely based in that. If someone comes to you teaching a truth about God that is apart from that, they have dropped the capital G off of God and they have misunderstood Jesus. And if that is the case, don't ask them into your home. Now, contextually. Remember, this is a house church they're running. And John is talking to people who are running house churches. And he is saying if you have a false teacher there, he's going to try to get into your house and teach false things from within your house, from within your church. You should not let false teaching be present in your church. This is why whenever our Church goes to various conferences. We always think through who we're going to hear and what they're going to say. We consider the songs that we sing. We consider the words of lyrics. We, we consider everything. This is why when our students go to a retreat, I like to know who the camp speaker is. It's why we care about the the background of the things that we read here. We always should be concerned about showing and displaying God's truth in a way that points to Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. John Stott says this about this, the tone of John as he writes in Second John. He says this, If John's teaching or his instruction seems harsh, it is probably because his concern for the glory of the Son and the good of human souls "...is greater than ours, and because the tolerance in which we pride ourselves is in actuality indifference to truth and a misunderstanding of true love." We, as followers of Jesus, are bound to declare God's truth, revealed in Jesus, understood from His Word by the work of the Spirit in our lives." John, as he writes, will eventually say, for the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Church family, we hope to be guiding and moving our people towards truth that reflects the nature and the character of Christ. Not only in word, but in action. Not only in what we say, but in what we do. Our hope is to be people who are revealing Jesus all of the time. But the Jesus that we find in the Bible, not someone who's completely different than that. False teaching is present, and we should be careful with it and should be clear about what is true. This this is not speaking to doctrinal distinctives that we have with other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is about out and out falsity in regard to the gospel of Jesus. Our hope as a church is that we would teach truth in a way that shows that Jesus is loving and gracious, but that understands His love and graciousness through the specific work of Christ on the cross, through the emphatic declaration of His resurrection. These are the hopes of Christianity. Finally, we see this forward moving. This is John's written a short letter to this church. And he says in verse 12 and 13, Though I have many things to write you, I got more to say to you. He's a preacher after all. We've always got more to say. I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Friends, if there has ever been a verse for this live stream life that we've been living. This is it. i got so many things to say. I, we have so many things to say. We want to interact with you. But, but we don't just want to interact like this. We want to interact face to face. So just, just to give you a little bit of understanding, if you received an email from the church this week, you should have received an email from us. A survey for you to look at, for you to consider for you to think through just some things that we've been asking ourselves. We want to know your concerns and your questions in regard to the the day where we are eventually meeting together in person again. Please give us your feedback. If you did not receive that email, touch base with us and let us know so that we can get that to you through our connect site, connect.gbctx.org. And we'll get you that survey if you did not receive it. Because we are moving toward the day where we can get together in person again. With some uniqueness to that, we know it's going to be a little bit different for a season, but we definitely want to be together in person again. All of these things to be said, we, we want you to know that we love you, that we care for you, and that our hope is in the person of Jesus. And that hope is displayed when we meet together when we celebrate together, when we sing together. And we've done everything we can over these few weeks to do those things in the best way possible. But we do miss you. We love you. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to uh, close us with the Lord's prayer that Jesus gives us. God, thank you for our people. I thank you that we get to Meet together, God, we thank you for your common grace that you would allow us to be going through this difficult season in a world where we can still sing together, though we are in different places, where we can still think about you together, where we can look at your word together. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be your heart, our desire would be your desire, and that we would be people who live for your sake. Why don't we say the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. We love you guys.